This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. The 2016 adult immunization schedule contains several changes from past years. Well, here with more on what you need to know to be fully immunized is Dr. John Epling, Professor and Chair of Family Medicine and Professor of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Epling. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So the 2016 adult immunization schedule contains several changes from past years. I want to go through those with you. But before we do, help us understand what's the basis for this schedule? You know, why is it changed annually? Who makes these decisions? Help us understand that process. Yeah, as you said, it is it is changed annually to reflect the best evidence about the vaccines that are, that are recommended uh, by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and I'll talk about those guys in a second. But um, and, and it's done so that we keep abreast of the best current evidence about which vaccines are indicated and, and which vaccines can help prevent vaccine-preventable disease. Um, so s- some amount of regular review is necessary, and the ACIP meets um, three times a year at least uh, to discuss new recommendations and to come up with, with new recommendations for certain vaccines, to review the evidence and figure out which ones are, are routinely recommended. Once a year, uh, the ACIP prints out a new schedule and, and delivers that in a very coordinated fashion, uh, usually in February, around February 1st. The, um, and, and this schedule is important. Um, before this, this, what's called this harmonized schedule uh, came out, and harmonization means that all the different specialty societies agree that this is the schedule that they will all use. Uh, before that came about, different, depending on which doctor you saw, the immunizations might be recommended differently. And that was sort of a, that was not a great situation because pa- patients would be confused, the doctors would be confused about which ones were recommended. And if you moved from one physician to another or one part of the country to another, there was not no standardization. Absolutely. And that, that doesn't make for good public health policy at all. So so this is a much better system. Um, I sit on the work group that, that develops the uh, adult immunization schedule, and there are representatives from all the different specialty societies, uh, internal, internal medicine, um, uh, geriatrics, uh, the PAs and nurse practitioners, all, all different uh, folks sit on that committee. Family physicians family, as well. Yes, I'm the family physician representative. And so this is the uh, this is the work group that ends up producing this adult recommendation schedule to try to make it uh, clear, make it un- uh, understandable and applicable to all the different specialties. Now, is it different than what ha- takes place for the children's immunization schedule? Is it a completely different body no, that pro- reviews it? No, the ACIP produces both. We just kind of split the work into kids versus adults and, and have different committees to produce those schedules. And there's got to be some overlap, but generally it's it's different. Well, so the overlap gets to the indications based on age. So not every indication falls neatly within a certain age group over 18 right. or under 18. Um, and, and as we'll talk about some of the meningococcal recommendations, the HPV recommendations uh, cross that age group a little bit. So of necessity, the groups have to work together and communicate. How about something like flu? Like every year there's this all this kind of, you know, brouhaha about what flu, what the flu strains are and they have to meet and they have to determine what and then make the recommendations and get the development of the vaccines. Right. Is that part of this or separate yep, from? No, it's definitely part of it. it. It happens in one of the ACIP meetings that happen every, every or three times a year. Uh, they review the evidence about what flu strains are coming around the world. And I mean that literally, that, that we yep. look at, at flu incidents in China, Australia, 
um, and and predict uh, which flu strains are likely to hit the U.S. Um, as it comes around. And sometimes we're right about that, and sometimes we're wrong about that. Frankly, um, the best policy on a on a sort of national level to get everybody immunized as much as we can is to make those recommendations for everybody. So every, the recommendation is for everybody without a solid contraindication to get an annual flu vaccine starting at age six months all the way uh, all the way up. That's pretty much a blanket recommendation. That's a blanket recommendation. Point. And then we do, the ACIP does its best to figure out which, which strains it's going to include in the next vaccine, et cetera. So basically, one of the things, I'd like to focus more on the adult and if, if it mm-hmm. reflects a little bit back on the overlapping you know, circumstances, we can talk about kids as well. But um, it also, this recommend, these recommendations also take into account different people's um, morbidity in the sense of whether they have other um, illnesses or other disease entities and what have you. Is that correct? That's one of the essential differences between the adult schedule and the child schedule. The adult schedule really, there, there are relatively few, compared to the child schedule, relatively few vaccines recommended by age for adults. But there are lots of different vaccines recommended by different medical illnesses or conditions. Um, and so it's really important. And, and all that information is, is frankly somewhat confusing. The, the definition of when somebody would need uh, one of the pneumococcal vaccines versus one of the other pneumococcal vaccines depends really on the details of the condition that you have. Um, and not. And we now have two pneumococcal vaccines both of them are not necessarily recommended for the same conditions. So it's really important to talk with your doctor about it. And and it's important to do that because unfortunately our adult immunization um, levels, our adult immunization rates in the United States are not very good. They're not. Uh, no, they, they far trail the uh, childhood immunization rates. Largely, I think when adults are presenting for uh, pre- for preventive services, they're thinking about screenings like colonoscopy screenings and mammograms and those things, and they're not necessarily thinking about vaccinations. Um, the vaccinations are relatively sparse until you get to age 65 and or 60 and 65, and then a few more come. Um, it's difficult to remember an, a, every 10-year tetanus vaccine, so so we just don't have those reminders in the way same way that they're reminded to us in childhood. Um, we don't have schools that require them for entry, those type of things. So I think um, specifically talking with your healthcare provider about which adult immunizations are indicated for you both by age and by medical condition is the most important. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with preventive health expert Dr. John Epling. And we're talking about the new 2016 recommended adult vaccines. So let's get to basically what's new this year Mm -hmm. and what is, you know, kind of pops out this year that's different. Um, given that there are changes every year, this is actually sort of a quiet year for changes. But uh, the biggest thing, there, there was a new pneumococcal vaccine released, the PCV13 vaccine. Uh, the trade name is for that is Prevnar. That's one of the trade names, but we'll use the PCV13. That's a pneumococcal vaccine. So pneumococcal vaccines are vaccines against a bacteria called Streptococcus pneumoniae. Um, which can cause not only pneumonia, we often refer to it as the pneumonia vaccine, but it's not just against pneumonia. It's against um, pneumonia plus uh, other invasive pneumococcal disease like sepsis, a a blood-borne bacteria condition, uh, meningitis, those type of things. So it's an important vaccine for all sorts of illnesses. But there was one prior we to have, this. We have previously given the PPSV23, which is a hard one to say, but that is that is a type of vaccine that's... Um, that, that is aimed at sort of the, the coating of the bacterial wall. 
it doesn't, it's not as potent a vaccine as the PCV13 vaccine. The PPSV23 vaccine, or Pneumavax is what we, the trade name is, covers 23 different kinds of the bug, but it's not a very strong vaccine. Whereas the PCV13 is a much stronger vaccine, but it covers relatively fewer types of the bug. And what we found in a trial called the CAPITA trial is that if you combine those and, and give one and then the other, uh, we tend to be able to prevent these invasive pneumococcal infections. Uh, so that's the rate. new recommendation right. to add this to the to the armamentarium to sort add of this as a booster, if you want to think about it that way. So if you've already had the initial pneumovax and you get the Prevnar, you should be good. Yes. However, the recommended order of that uh, for people that are just turning 65, which is the indicated age to start this is to get the PCV13 or Prevnar first, wait a year, and then get the PPSV23 or Pneumovax. That's the preferred recommendation. If you've already gotten the Pneumovax or PPSV23, you can then wait a year and get the PCV13, and that's okay. There's no indi there's no reason to worry no about that. It's, 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 it's best to go ahead and do that. Um, and so that's the, that's the preferred way to, to tackle that one. I want to get on to some of the others. So what, what else has changed? Something with a meningococcal vaccine? Yeah, so there's a new meningococcal vaccine, the meningococcal B vaccine. The one we have out now, which is uh, called the MenACWY vaccine or the Menactra vaccine or Menimmune is another uh, name for it. Those are tr traditionally given now at ages 11, 11 to 12, and a booster is given at age 16. And that's to prevent... Um, meningitis, a brain and spinal cord infection that's associated with sort of crowded settings like colleges, military barracks, those type of things, college dorms. Um, there is a um, fully a third of meningi meningitis cases involve the bug meningococcal B, which is not included in the ACWI. Um, and so there was a new vaccine developed for that. That has received a less strong recommendation from the ACIP. There are two types of recommendations the ACIP gives. One is a general recommendation that everybody should have, and one is a permissive recommendation, which is you can have it, but it's not necessarily recommended for absolutely everybody. So, so the, which is it with the two? So the, meningoc the, the meningococcal ACWY, the, 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 prior the, one. the prior one, is recommended for everybody. That's a general recommendation. The meninge B um, vaccine is recommended is a permissive recommendation you can give it for folks that you think would be at increased risk so certainly if there's an outbreak or if they're at high risk for meningitis. i don't want to run out of time because mm -hmm. i have so many questions but the bottom line here is that um for most adults just give us a quick thumbnail of what you would want adults to have in terms of immunizations okay, just great. a quick laundry list sure so uh, uh, first one is a tdap vaccine the tetanus tetanus with the added pertussis vaccine is recommended one more time in your life if you've never had one that's to protect against whooping cough and we still have outbreaks of there that. have been outbreaks right and then after that uh, a tetanus vaccine td uh, booster every 10 years uh, when you turn 60 you're eligible for zoster vaccine shingles vaccine and so talk to your doctor about that one. The way that's delivered is a little bit confusing, so talk to your, your uh, health care provider about that one. At age 65, um, the recommendation for PCV13 followed in a year by PPSV23. Those are the two pneumovax the or pneumonia ones. Right. Um, if you're a woman under the age of 26 and you haven't gotten all HPV vaccines, you want to go ahead and complete that series, and you can do that with the nine-valent vaccine that's relatively new now. It doesn't matter which form of the vaccine you get. Um, 
and then talk to your doctor if you have other medical problems to see if any additional vaccinations are recommended. So bottom line is, are we losing immunities? Because they've been talking about certain outbreaks. I know that I've heard outbreaks, again, this is just in the common press, but that there are outbreaks of measles, there's outbreaks of mumps, even amongst college kids. Is it that we that some of these, the initial immunity that we may have gotten either through, probably through vaccination, because I guess if you've had the disease, you have lifelong immunity. Is that correct? Well, there are a couple different ways to think about that. First of all, for measles, the important point is uh, most of those outbreaks are occur in unimmunized individuals. So okay. it's people that have declined immunization in the past. So the most important thing is to get the recommended vaccines. For others like pertussis, we do know that that, that some, some pneumococcal, a lot of the or several of the vaccines um, do, the immunity does wane over time. And that has to do with the type of vaccine that they are. And we're constantly looking at that data to figure out which ones we need to boost. Um, so I think I, I would expect changes about that. The, this is a growing field of research and we're looking at that very carefully. Well, it's all very, very important. And hopefully I think the bottom line is you should speak to your healthcare provider as an adult and make sure that you're fully immunized because Absolutely. there are preventable diseases out there that can be very life-threatening. Yes. Thank you so very much for coming in. My guest has been Dr. John Epling. He's the professor and chair of family medicine and professor of public health and preventive medicine at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.